remind me to talk to you guys about that, worship team, wherever you are. Let's pray to begin this morning. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we love you. Jesus, we are desperate for you. We praise you. We thank you that you are the Lord of hosts. You are the Lord of heaven's armies. It is you who paved the way for everything that you have called us to do today. Everything that you have called us to do moving forward and even behind. Because you are the way maker, as we sang in worship. You are everything. What you have paid, paid for Jesus is... So much bigger than our understanding. I would venture to say we're only understanding a few percent at this point. But we thank you for all that we don't understand. We thank you for all that you know and that you call us into. Thank you for faith. Thank you that you trust us to believe. Father, I ask that you fill my mouth this morning with your words, your heart, none of my own. Because each of us have come hungry for you. Hungry for your heart. For your plan. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We lift this new beginning up to you. To do with as you will. For our purpose, Father, nothing has changed in that Our desire is to simply follow you, to do your will, to step when you say step, to move when you say move, to be still when you say to be still. So I ask that you speak this morning. It is a celebration. It is a new phase of a calling. Help all that you intend for this new time to sit heavy on our spirits. For we trust you. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is different, right? A little different. But it is the movement of what God, wow, I can actually walk. (laughs) This is very different. I 
you've got to be careful not to step on. Is this very expensive? <laughs> it wouldn't be a problem to just like step on it for you. But no, what God, I'm going to move this forward a little bit here. First of all, I want to thank everybody who came out yesterday. You guys were just a tremendous help, and we got so much done. And it was such a testimony, not in just the work that was done, but it was a testimony in the love of taking care of a place that we've been, that we've been allowed to be in. But as we've talked for weeks, this new phase, this new thing that God is opening up is really no different except for space. And I found it interesting because our desire really was to move into... I'm going to move this back again because now it's in my way. We're going to learn this and we're going to put a little tape down and it'll go in the right place. But now I can walk and come over here. Well, maybe somebody can man that. Otherwise, they will just have my voice. But that's okay. Uh, another thing that we will learn. And, and I look in the future because I will step on this. I don't even know where you are. Oh, you're in the back. I don't want to step on this. I don't want to step on this, but I'm just afraid I'm going to. I know. I'm sure it will. I don't want that any more than hurting it. But that's all right. Um, but the only thing that's really changed is the environment. And what God is trying to show us is that change, get used to. And not, not so much get used to being in a different place every day. That's not my point. My point is that the environment does not dictate the calling. The environment does not dictate what we are supposed to do. Even though we're in this room now, we're not in the intimacy of a living room, doesn't change the fact that you are to absorb, I am to absorb what the Holy Spirit has for us this morning. It's critical. It's no different if there were 50 here than if there were 2,000 here. Except that it's easier to hide, right? But the point is, you, each one individually, including myself, the Lord has a purpose, He has a word, He has a plan. And no matter the environment, if we were smack dab in the middle of warfare, and the Lord had something for us, it's our responsibility to soak that in, to know it. One of the things the Lord told me in this time in which we're moving in right now, we're, we're going to be here for four weeks. We're not sure we're, where we're going to be after that. We know eventually we'll be in our building. But what he said is, in this period of time, I need you to learn as a team how to operate anywhere. Because guess what? He's not just going to have us in our building. This is not going to be church as we know it. It will at times. But he wants us to be able to, at a moment's notice, go somewhere where he says go. To speak, to do worship, 
to do anything. So, in part, that's what he's done in preparing us for this. I mean, I've been part of a lot of churches, right? There are churches almost ten times our size that don't have the setup we have that I've been in. We literally can take our setup anywhere. We learned this morning there's a few tweaks that we've got to work with. <coughs> lights are really blinding. I don't know. Can you see the blinding in my eyes? That's why I'm afraid to step on his thing over here. There are a few tweaks here and there, but what God is doing is preparing us to go out. Preparing us for the purpose of people that need to hear. Need to know, need to have the confidence that God is doing this. That what is swirling all around is not the truth of what God is doing. If you can't see it through spiritual eyes. If you look at it through spiritual eyes, you see what he's doing. You see the exposure that he's making. But all of these things really boil down to simple faith. You know, when I was with the Lord this past week, and I, I wrote something down. Actually, I wrote this down a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I'm going to read it as I wrote it because... It was important. I, I thought he was going to have me preach on it a few weeks ago, but, and honestly, I didn't even think I saved it, <laughs> but it's here. So there you go. He said to me in the morning, maybe three or four weeks ago, he said, There's something that I require even more than surrender. More than surrender. Surrender has to play a part in it, but there is something that must be there even to surrender to. And that is faith. He wants us to believe. We can't surrender even without a magnitude of faith in believing what we're surrender, surrendering to. Right? There is faith that we step in, that we've grown up traditionally in, in things that we're willing to believe, but God is wanting to take us further than that. And I know many are there in this room. But do you have belief for the impossible? I'll tell you, there's impossible that displays itself in front of us every day. Do you know, Wendy, I hope it's okay if I share this. Do you guys know Wendy and Anessa were at the hospital till when last night? 2.30 in the morning. Father, forgive me for not having the faith that Wendy would be here. Although I, I kind of wondered in my, in my spirit, if you would, but then I thought, well, no, I, I don't want to put that on her. But she's here. And this is here and played the drums. I mean, did you do that really awake or did you do that just in the spirit? <laughs> there you go. But there's confidence in, or confidence required in that faith of moving forward, of knowing that you are going to do something regardless of what the enemy tries to do. Because I'll tell you what, what came against Wendy 
not a normal thing. It's not, well, this just happened to be what happened. No, it was, it was an absolute attack. It was absolute witchcraft. And I know many online, you know, with that word, I'll do, oh, there's no such thing, click. Okay, good luck with that. If you don't know your enemy, you're in trouble. If you don't recognize what you're up against in this day and age, you're not going to be on that battlefield unless you are just a target. What's come against many has been that. But there is a confidence that we're to have. Even this morning, you know, after yesterday doing all this stuff that we did, and and I had to go back, and then I had a couple hours of working, getting the trailer ready and all this stuff for this morning. And, And then, of course, my morning is not a normal morning. Normally, you know, I have probably three hours that I'm just with the Lord. And, okay, Lord, you know, you haven't shown me anything yet, so here's your time. <laughs> right? Well, this morning I didn't really have any of that, having to drive the trailer and bring stuff over here. And, and if you know my process, you understand that for anybody, really, that could be a difficult thing. And as I was sitting with him for just moments this morning, saying, Lord, give me something so I can have the confidence so I can know that what you promised you will fulfill. Then he gave me a verse. But it wasn't necessarily about what he was going to speak on. It was about, okay, have confidence. <laughs> right? But I'm going to read that verse because I think this is where many of us are at. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're, we're starting at the end of this. And, and I want to share this for the sake of confidence. But then we're going to get into another area that, that I, I believe, because he gave me just two words. And we're going to get into that. But I want to start at verse 35. Hebrews 10:35 says this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You know what? I'm going to do something, because Kent Christmas, it it convicted me as I listen to him occasionally, and he does this. I want you to stand as we read the Word of God. We're going to read down through chapter 11, verse 1. But just just stand out of honor for the word of God. I'm going to start with verse 35 again. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, in other words, if that faith shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith 
and preserve their souls. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. And then just go down to verse 6. We all know this one. But this is the reason why God has said that in the previous verses. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Let me repeat that. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You be seated. We talk about faith all the time. We talk about what it constitutes, what it means, and, and it's almost like it's a, it's a portion that we, we just keep over here. But yet, faith is what infiltrates every single thing that we do, every decision, every time that we go to our private place to be with the Lord. We do that by faith. Faith is expectation. That's what we just read. Let me read it to you again. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What does that mean? I am assured. I have faith in believing. My expectation is that that faith will happen. That faith will come forth. Today is an example of that faith. Of what God would do as it was approaching the end of March and we we knew we were going to be out and things get all crazy and haywire and, oh, maybe we should extend this a week, a couple of weeks, you know, whatever. It, 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 It just, something doesn't feel right. Wait a second. It is faith that the Lord told us before what we are to do. It doesn't matter the circumstances anymore. And that's how you have to live your faith in your life. You first have to know, you have to know what your faith is in. Right? It's not that you make up your own faith. Well, I, I, just, I just believe that, you know, God wants me to be a bazillion, gazillionaire. And so I have faith, so I'm just going to wait for that to happen. Lord, send me the gold. Okay, well, that's probably ill-placed faith. Let me know if that works for you. But it's probably ill-placed faith. Faith is in something that the Lord has shown you or told you. You have an entire 66 books in the Bible filled with promises of what He has promised you individually, me individually. Right? We can absorb those promises. But those aren't the only only promises. We can't go in there and we can't read that, that, well, God promised us a building. Okay, that's not in there. Ignition 633 is not written in there somewhere. Your name is not necessarily written in there somewhere. But what you have here is you have God's character. You have a blueprint of who He is. And as you get to know Him intimately through that relationship, 
It opens up his voice to you. Recognizing that there can be false voices. Please understand that. But how do you get to know the real thing is by getting to know the real thing. That is also how you start to recognize the false voices. It's by knowing the real voice. But when it is God that has told you something that you then pour your faith into, have confidence in that. But then that is where surrender comes in. Because guess what? Not all the things God tells you are going to be things you're comfortable with. In fact, just the opposite. I mean, how about Abraham? You know, he was promised for 25 years that he would be the father of many nations. And then the one, the called child, Isaac, when he was a child, and, and I believe he was in his early teens, so I, I don't think he was a little kid. I mean, he was, he was big enough to carry a whole thing of logs. So he, he, he had been with him a while. Right? Abraham got to know his son before this moment, but God said, I need you to offer him to me as a sacrifice. Oh, I'll tell you what, if Abraham's faith was not where it was seated, supposed to be seated, he would have had trouble with that. God sometimes asks us to do things that don't make sense. That's why you have to know His voice. You have to know who He is. You can't just base it on a feeling. If you're living your life by a feeling, and you're living your life by, well, this makes sense, and intellectually, if I do this, it makes sense. Oh, man. Recognize then there are other voices that get in there. There are other voices that are going to persuade you because you have taken your eyes off of the voice that comes from intimacy with Him. But see, that is where we have to surrender. We have to surrender to things that we want, to things that He wants. That's a tough thing to do. That's a really tough thing to do. I can imagine that was tough for Abraham. But yet, when you read Scripture, he sure seemed confident in it. He seemed confident that something was going to happen. Either either Isaac was going to be killed and he was going to be raised from the dead, or whatever. I, I don't know what Abraham thought. It will be cool to ask him one day. But he surrendered to it regardless because he knew the Lord's promises were true. We have the joy of being able to read in Scripture about Abraham, but he didn't. He couldn't go back and read about his own life and say, okay, yeah, the Lord did say that, so, you know, I have confidence. He had to plow the way, and so many others plowed the way for the same thing you face today. Same thing I face today. If you don't know Jesus Christ through personal relationship and the power of the Holy Spirit building relationship with the Father, then you will not possibly know His will on an intimate level of your life. You can't. Because what happens when things come your way that don't make sense like that? 
I'll tell you, each of us have gone through this. Each of us face a difficult time frame where the Lord expects us to believe something really tough. If you haven't faced it yet, you're going to. But I know most in here have faced it over and over again. Because it's something that we have to have confidence in. It can't be that you just have to face it once and then, okay, I'm good. No, it's over and over and over again. That's the surrender part. When you believe that something is of the Lord, you step in it, you walk in it, you have confidence of His promise and you surrender to it regardless. That's what has brought this ministry to where it is now. I mean, here and in Nigeria. I mean, what's going on in Nigeria? And we've said this a thousand times. It's explosive there. But even in that explosion, Satan ramps up his fight. I won't get into it, but even this past week, I think yesterday is when I was told about it, Satan ramped up. His fight. See, that could all all of a sudden make you question, okay, go back and was that you? Is that, you know, or you walk in the confidence that the battlefield does not dictate your direction. The battlefield does not dictate your calling. In fact, the battlefield is your place of accomplishment. The battlefield is your place of victory. You can't have victory if you're not on the battlefield. And and that brings me to something that the Lord showed me this morning. I want you to turn there. It's in he he brought up this this idea of David and and early David, like David and Goliath David. I want you to turn to first Samuel seventeen. And you know the story. Um, I, I, want, I want to read. I want to go back a little bit in the story. But, but you know the story. You know David had, he was the youngest of all his brothers. And all his brothers were at war. The Philistines, is this making a mess? Is it making a noise? Right. Anybody have duct tape? <laughs> Sorry. But you know the story, David, he was the youngest of his brothers, and, and, he, and the Philistines were there to conquer Israel, and, and they had this, this line, right? And in that line, the, the best of the Philistines, Goliath, he was out there taunting them every day for 40 days. And David was just a young boy, shepherd. Youngest in his father's house, curious, wanting to be with everybody else, but not allowed to be because he's there maintaining the, the house and, and, and shepherding. But then he gets called on by his father to take some food to his brothers. And that's where we're going to enter this, this thing, because first of all, you, you, you catch a glimpse of the relationship he had with his brothers. So First Samuel 17, we're going to start at 28. Now Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. Because David had come to bring this stuff and he had talked to the men that were around there. 
right? And they're all saying what's going on with this Goliath character and everything else. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You ever get a jab from somebody? That's what that was. That was a jab. Him, he, he didn't just say, well, don't you have a lot of responsibility? And that's such an important job that you have at home. And how, how could you even just leave that? And that's not what he said. He said, how could you leave that? It's such a pitiful job, but that's all you can do. What are you even doing here? You're supposed to be there because you're of no use anywhere else. Right? That's a jab. That's a jab. And, and what's interesting is we face those all the time. Let's continue on. I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Okay, there's another thing that is done there. And this is with people that are around you, okay? Where they not only say, you shouldn't be here, you shouldn't be doing this, but then they presume to know your heart. And they say, I I know, I know you're here just for this. I know you're really trying to do this or trying to do that. I know your heart. I know your heart, you're manipulative, and you're here to do that. So again, another arrow against David. And David responds like a typical younger brother. What have I done now? (laughs) Right? What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before, telling about Goliath. I love that. David's the youngest. Of all the brothers, the youngest, and yet displays such a confidence. Such a confidence in his relationship with the Lord. Such a confidence in his calling. Such a, I wish we could sit David down and just talk to him and just, just say, so tell us your thoughts right here. Tell us your thoughts right there. There's so little detail in the little portions of emotion and all that in the Word of God, in these things. And I think it's on purpose. Because we have to go through it. It's fighting that emotion, fighting those darts from people we love, fighting those darts from people we don't even know, coming against us, saying, you should not do this while in our heart we're being called in this direction. And God is saying, have confidence. Have confidence in that calling. Have confidence in what I've said to you. Do not be swayed by those arrows that come against you. And with David, they weren't. Verse 31. When the words of David, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, the king. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. In other words, this this giant, what in the world are you people afraid of? What are you worried about? He's taunting you. Why are you afraid? Because of him. Your servant, in in other words, David saying, I'll go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. 
And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, and by the way, there's another jab from the enemy. You're disqualified to do what you've been called to do. Oh man, don't we hear that all the time? You're disqualified because you're too young like David. You're disqualified because you're too old. You're disqualified because you're too busy. You're disqualified because you're not wealthy enough. You're disqualified because you're too wealthy. You're disqualified because you're not in the right place. You're disqualified because maybe that's going on halfway around the world and what's it got to do with you? All these things the enemy wants to say disqualify you. But keep the confidence of what the Lord has said. I know so many in here. The Lord has told them specifically what they're called to. And that they're called all over the world. That's really an extraordinary thing. When you think that we're not all over the world right now. I mean, this is our first venture out of the house. Outside of what we do in Nigeria. That should not play on your confidence. That should not play on your confidence of what the Lord said to you. What He called you to. Oh, and by the way, a big one is age. Guys, we have, we have youth in here. Don't think for a second that God doesn't want to use a young man, a young lady. That's what David was. You think just because it's in the Bible that that was just an example and doesn't really mean anything today? No. No. When he calls you, just believe it. Have confidence in it. Let him do that portion. But it's the same for being older. Well, I'm, I'm older and, and I can't do the things I used to do. I don't have the, the voice maybe I once had, or maybe I never had a voice. I'm kind of set in my ways because I've been doing them all my life. Those are all darts. Those are all things from the enemy to say, no, you got to fit in this groove here because that's the world. That's what the world says. But that's not what God says. Can you imagine how... Moses must have felt when the Lord first told him, Hey, by the way, your life's about to start. Your ministry is about to start. Your whole world is about to start. I, I, know, I know you're 80, but your whole world is about to start. And by the way, you're going to free my people. See, we, we skip over some of those things because we read the Bible and we think, Well, this is just chock full of... All the extraordinary people in the setup of, of following God and, and that he uses as examples. Let me ask you something. If other books of the Bible were to be written at the end of this age, would you find your name in it? a tough thought. Because see, if you think of it, well, I, I, I wouldn't deserve to be in there. None of them felt the same way. I, or none of them would assume that 
it would be written about them. What I'm saying is God takes ordinary people. God takes ordinary situations and he makes them extraordinary. He takes this little group of people right here. If you don't think that God can change the world with this little group of people, then you don't understand God. That is what he has promised us from the beginning. And, and when I say promised us, I mean ignition. I mean you, I mean me. This is what he has promised from the beginning. Are we going to stand in a confidence of that promise? See, that's what David did. And then David went in to explain, uh, yeah, okay, I, I, know, I know I'm not a, a warrior, but here, here's what I got. Verse, 30, uh, verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. <laughs> used to, like as in this morning. <laughs> Do you catch that? David is already thinking and knowing his life is changing. It's already in his past. It's already a used to. Which, by the way, is true. His life changed after this day, after this moment. So he said, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he, if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So you've got to understand that was not some magnanimous statement by David. He wasn't trying to look good to Saul. He was coming from the standpoint of, Are you guys kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you know what is on your side? And yet you're afraid of him? That's what we all have to understand. That's where we all have to be. Because we look out at the world right now and we look at the craziness going on. We look at the supposed woke generation winning. By the way, they're not winning at all. At all. Learn to look between the lines, learn to look under things, learn to listen to what the Lord is saying to you. It is to bring exposure. It has been to draw a line. I got news for you. Lines have been drawn. Things have been exposed. The movement of God's hand, his judgment has begun. We're not waiting for it. It's begun. But David, David just says, look, why in the world are you afraid of this guy? You know, I would imagine that Goliath, if faced with a bear, would probably have been a little concerned. But yet David wasn't when a bear came and took a sheep. Who's angry? Those aren't yours. Those aren't yours. Those are my responsibility given to be by my father. You don't touch. 
You touch, and you will die. Now, he didn't have a gun like we have today where, where you can kind of deal with things from a distance. No, this was hand-to-hand for David. Can you imagine that? Imagine the confidence of going up against something that is so greater than you, but having the confidence because the Lord said to go and just do it. We see time after time in the Word of God this happening. How about Elijah before the prophets of Baal? It wasn't Elijah going up against two or three prophets in, in really kind of a neutral you know, arena. It was Elijah by himself going up against 450 prophets of Baal, plus all the prophets of Esherah, which were more than that. Not only going against those thousand or so people, but going against a regime that hated him. Going against a king, and even more so in power, a queen who wanted him dead. He didn't hide. He didn't go in the corner and, okay, Lord, you want me to declare this? I declare, blah, blah, blah. There. Done. No, the Lord told him to step out in boldness. Step out in confidence. Knowing what the Lord has told them to do. Step out and speak in confidence. And watch what I do. Oh my goodness, that's what he's saying now. That's what he's saying now. He has given us a mindset of a battlefield, a mindset of a warrior. If you are not of that mindset right now in the Christian walk, then you're not ready. You're not ready to step out as David did. By the way, one last thing I want to say about David. When, when Saul heard this, and we won't read on, but, but he... Finally, let him do it. I mean, Saul must have had some sort of confidence because recognize what, what happens if David died. They all agreed to become their slaves. You, you understand that, right? This isn't just a, you know, a boxing match or, or, or some, you know, fight to the end for just two people. This affected two nations. They said, whoever wins, the other will serve the victor. So for Saul to finally say, yeah, go ahead, one of two things had to be happening. Either he was the greatest coward, and that nation was the greatest coward, because you would think he would say, no, let, let's, I don't know, man, let's send somebody who is at least a decent warrior. You know, at least maybe taller, whatever, stronger. You know, have, have some experience. Can actually lift a sword. But he didn't. He sent David knowing full well that if David lost, they would be slaves. Now, it doesn't say it here, but I believe for him to do that, there had to be a confidence somewhere deep in Saul to say, okay, there's a chance. I don't, I don't know what it means, I don't know how in the world this is going to happen. You know, maybe he'll get a blow in. Somehow God will give him the capability to get a little blow in. 
that will give him the, this, the advantage. So, so let me take care of him as best I can defensively. Here, wear my armor, Fong. David can barely lift it up. And I, I love David. We won't read it, but he, he goes on to say, you know, I'm really not tested and tried in these. I could just imagine him, you know, with all this armor hanging on him. Remember, Saul was really tall. That's why they picked him. Israel wanted a tall king. And David wasn't. So you can imagine, just picture in your mind what this looked like. Plus it was heavy. He's sitting here like this. And he said, well, I'm not really tried in this. I, you know, I haven't really worked out in this. When the reality is, dude, this is ridiculous. This isn't going to work. Let me just go. God is with me. You have to understand God is with you. When he has made you a promise and you have surrendered that and you step in confidence, in faith, trust that he's with you. He's not going to leave you, not going to forsake you. It doesn't mean it won't be hard, because it will be. But you're to step. And he stepped in that confidence. And, and I do want to skip down and just read one thing. When, when it finally got to the point where it was going to be David and Goliath, David goes out onto that battlefield, and, and of course Goliath is mocking him, as you can imagine. You know what, what, what is this plea? What is, you, seriously, you you don't have enough confidence to send somebody who can actually have a chance against me? That's what the enemy does in your lives. He is going to do everything he can and take every opportunity that he can to derail you. And I love what David did. Verse 48. Actually, let's... Uh, hold on. No, let's back up and, and, and literally talk about... Let's read David's uh, uh, response to all this stuff that Goliath was saying. Then, verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And, all, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hand. Can you imagine... What was going on on the battlefield when David said that? I, I really want you to picture a split screen here. Because we know that the spirit realm is the real reality. Right? In, in the natural realm, you've got Goliath thinking, all right, ten seconds, this is over. Just let me get my hands on it, it's done. And the rest of the Philistines thinking the same thing. Right? But in the spirit realm, that declaration that David made, knowing the authority he had in the spirit because of his purity, and that is key, 
your relationship with the Lord is contingent upon your, your purity before him. That is your surrender. But can you imagine the, the split screen of the, of the spirit realm with that declaration? They were in fear. They knew what was coming because they know the strength of God versus the strength of what was behind Goliath. It was nothing. And so I love David, David's reaction, verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Picture that. He wasn't thinking, okay, how can I move around and somehow get around him and maybe I could sneak through a bush here and get around and he won't see me sneak up behind him. No, see, David stepped in confidence because he knew, one, what the Lord had called him to do, what the Lord had told him to do, and two, he knew the power of his God. He knew the power. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't know it in the natural realm because it hadn't even played out in the natural realm. But that's where the faith is critical. We surrender to what God tells us to do. And we step in faith. The direction that He tells us to step. But it goes back to Hebrews 10. We step in confidence. David had so much confidence in this. He ran toward Him. I don't know about you, have you ever tried assaulting, whether it be with a gun or like he had a, he had a slingshot, when you're running? I mean, it doesn't work very well. You know, especially if you're running with a gun, you're up and down like this. They tell you, you know, get to your location, stop, point, you know, make sure. David, and, and you can imagine, you need a lot more precision throwing a stone, or a sling with a stone. But he's running. As he's running, he's putting the stone in the sling. He's swinging. And that was it. What Goliath thought would take ten seconds on his side was even less than that on David's side. The stone hit so perfectly, sank into his head so deeply that he died like that. I love David isn't so good with with you know his victory part. He goes over there and he can barely pick up the sword, Goliath's sword that he then used to cut off Goliath's head. See, our physical attributes do not dictate what God is going to do in our lives. You know what does? Our faith. And our surrender to His will. That's what dictates. Not the fact that we're a small church, we have no money, we have no building. We do have a trailer, though. That doesn't dictate anything. That doesn't dictate anything. The fact that we have a limited voice, the fact that we have this or have that, doesn't dictate anything. What dictates everything is our faith in what God has said to us and our confidence in stepping in that faith. So I want to urge you this morning.
recognize the battlefield. Recognize that we are in literally a wartime mentality and that that difference can be made by one person. One person. I mean, think about it. David, nobody helped him. Nobody talked him into it. In fact, he had to literally talk them into letting him do it. But single-handedly, he changed everything about that battle. Now, all of a sudden, they're no longer faced with being slaves. Now, they're pursuing the Philistines to take their lives. What an extraordinary turnaround because... One person saw the battlefield, understood that mind frame, had confidence in what the Lord had told him, no matter what, and moved forward. Let's come on up. That's where he wants us to be. That's the confidence that he wants us to have in him. I was reminded last, uh, or during the message, how much this actually has to do with us. And um, I just wanted to say that, man, it's, as many times as we've heard, some of us from childhood, hundreds of times we've heard this story. And yet God always brings out something new and awesome about the story that you didn't see before. It's so cool. And what struck me is before his declaration to Goliath and to the Philistines was his voice and bold speech of faith when he just responded to Saul. He's like the same God that delivered me out of the lion and the bear, the paw of these animals. The same God that did that will deliver me out of this evil Philistine. And I thought, okay, his time of training, his time of learning lessons, of learning who God was as a shepherd learning experiences and not small i would dare say if i encountered a lion or a bear that would be pretty traumatic you know i mean goliath gets is the highlight of the story but there could be quite a story just dealing with an encounter with a lion and with a bear and possibly losing your life that is a huge issue that you when god delivers you from it is no small thing so he had been trained he had been readied And that faith that was built through those trials, he then, when facing the next biggest one, was able to say, you know, I know my God. I know it might not look like it. It might look crazy, but I know my God. And the same God that delivered me from this and delivered me from that will deliver me from the next thing. Some of us maybe have had lions, bears, maybe have had multiple ones. Some of us maybe are about to deal with the lions and the bears, and then others will go on to their Goliaths. There may be multiple Goliaths. I believe there will. But the boldness that David spoke through is just awesome to me because God's been dealing with me a lot on speaking from a place of faith, beginning to speak, not just, well, you know, I mean, I'm willing to try. You know, I mean, I'll I'll give it a try, and, you know, God's will be done. No, he had that boldness. Where does that come from? Where that boldness comes from the faith that gets built. And faith builds upon faith, builds upon faith. Every time you get to see who your God is in any situation, and you believe in him for that character trait displayed in that deliverance of that trial, 
All of a sudden now, you know your God more in that area. And then the next one, you build upon what you learned about him there, and you, you now get to see how he uses that and something else in the next trial. That's how faith builds upon faith. That's why we need, we need these trials. And the Lord Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I'm going to build your faith upon faith upon faith. You've already overcome the world, because as we talked about in communion, the blood of Jesus covered it. But I, he's teaching me a lot about speaking from a place of, of faith and using the boldness of my declaration. And you'll notice in that chapter, boy, go over it this week. God will show you nuggets that when you look at it through the lens of, of how his faith and, and how things are established first in, first in the spirit, he declared first behind the scenes to Saul when, when the opportunity came up. And then he declared in the public arena before both armies what was about to happen. And not just, hey, I'm declaring that I'm here and I'm going to give it a good try. It was declaring the outcome because the outcome is only victory when we face our Goliaths. However it will look, it is always and only victory. And that is what God's done in this last season in the house. He has taught us so many things. Remember, Please, Ignition, remember, and even those online with us, look back at your trials. Look back at who God was in those moments. Don't ever go, oh, I don't want to relive it. I can't think about it. You're here. You're breathing. You're moving. You're living. You're having your being in Christ Jesus. Don't go back and not be able to relive that. Go back and see who God was in those moments. And then build upon that faith and that belief and that worship and that gratefulness. That the God that delivered you from this and that and any number of things you've been through in your life, whether it be illnesses, relationship struggles, financial issues, say, wow, my God, look what my God did. Through every trial, I am here. I am here today. That is the God I serve. And he will deliver me from what I'm in now and from what I'm going to go through tomorrow. That's the kind of faith that builds upon faith. If you go back and you don't, you allow those things to be dismantled and your faith to be broken down because you can't even bear to think about what you went through last year. God was with you. He was in every painful, difficult moment. And he is the God to be celebrated and worshipped because he's going to build from that and take you into greater victories. But he does that by our faith and what we believe in him because we know what he does. He's shown us in his word what he does. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I mean, on and on and on. The God of all of these stories, his character is revealed so that he can be the God of Linda and Rich. He can be the God of Derek, the God of Wendy, the God of Marty, and, and begin to say, hey, if I did that in them, doesn't the word say he was, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? That's what I love about these stories. This is the story for Alexis. This is the story for the Goliath that will be before me. Don't forget what God has brought you through. Give him the glory, give him the worship and the praise for what he has brought you through. Because that place of bold faith, remembering what he did, will take you into the next level of victory. And it will only become more intense. But guess what? God will never give us more than the grace that will be accompanied with that, that will overcome. He'll, he'll never give us more than what we can bear by his grace. We'll always be in things that we can't bear. But whatever he sends us into, 
He will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us to show us the victory. And many of us are about to face some things. Some of us are right smack in the middle of it. Who is God to you right now in whatever you're facing? In some areas, we go, oh, God is good there. God is good there. Oh, don't talk to me about my ex. Don't talk to me about my, you know, about my job. Don't talk to me about my bank account. God is the God of victory and power in all of those situations when we just trust him. Don't compartmentalize God. That's where you begin to box him in, and we don't even know we're doing it at times. What you can't face, he can face, and he's with us to face it. Some of us have some Goliaths that we do need to deal with. They're mocking. These enemies are mocking us. And God is saying, stand up. Throw the stinking stone of my power of my Holy Spirit at this Goliath and crush him right in the forehead. He will fall, I promise you, because I am God. Let me be your God. What a great story. Isn't that a great story? Never forget how awesome these stories are. Some of these have been diminished to children's ministry stories. And man, they are as powerful for any age, any time, and as relevant today as they were when it was first released. Father, thank you, God, for your great word. Thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you that your word is alive and active and empowered by your Holy Spirit. That as we open up and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want to show me? Oh, God, speak over me. Show me who you are. Show me who I am in you, Lord Jesus. That you will do those things. Thank you for what you did in David. As an example of what you desire to do in every single one of your children. I just praise you, God, for the great God that you are. Forgive us when we have wanted to forget about certain trials that were painful because we are not looking at them through the redemptive lens of what you do and how you work. You carried us through. Even in the pain, you carried us through. And you will redeem and restore and replenish all that the enemy has taken. And you will even recover by our repentance things that, were, that happened of our own doing, God. Because you are such a redemptive God. I just praise you, God. I thank you for these stories and so many more that just become alive and active. God, help us to remember all that you've taken us through as we look at our lives and those in Ignition and, and in Nigeria and Ignition, God, that, that you trained us for these last seven years. Oh, God, may we boldly stand before the enemy that is speaking in our ear and say, guess what? The same God, you almighty God, that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me now. And you will be defeated in the mighty name and blood of Jesus. Oh, God, give us that boldness to face every challenge with the confidence and not throw away that confidence that you have given in Jesus that you paid for. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who you are. And what you are doing even now. Open our eyes to see that you are working. You are, as we sang earlier, the way maker. You are making a way. It is happening. Open our eyes to see it. Unlock our faith to see you are doing great and mighty things in our midst. Though we may not know it, Jeremiah 33.3. Thank you, God. We love you. We love you, God. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Don't take a chance.